Hey, come on, man. Wake up. All right. Good evening, everybody. It is now time for the Interlocking NY Show with Jimmy and Rick. I'm Jimmy Palumbo, and my co-host is... Rick Antonori. How's it going? Rick Antonori, and I actually pronounced his name right. You did. I bring this up every show. I pronounced my own host's name wrong, and I got nasty emails from his aunt and, and, and family <laughs> members. Um, and as the show, if we start to sink in the ratings, then I'll, I'll go out of my way to mispronounce his name every time. That's right. But it's so good to be back here. So... We have a very special show here because Rick is so dedicated to this show that he is actually doing this show live from his uh, 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 hotel room in South Carolina. Yes. On vacation. I'm on vacation. I know now all about you. I know that you're happily married. I know that your kids love you because this would have never gone over in my world. Uh, doing a podcast live from your hotel room while on vacation. While on vacation, um, in which we make absolutely no money. Fantastic. And, and where are you now? What, what part of South Carolina? I'm in Myrtle Beach. Nice. There is, I've been there once. Nice. Yeah, there's absolutely no gas anywhere. So we are planning our our trip home very carefully. Um, uh, the, the gas stations are good here. Yeah, so far, yeah. I mean, uh, from what I read, uh, the pipeline's coming back on. They paid the ransom $5 million. And um, <laughs> the, the the pipeline is starting to function again, so Listen, should you eat be too much. There's going to be gas coming out of uh, other areas on your way home. It should be able to yeah. stick your butt up against the fuel tank and see how far you get. Gee, thanks, that's good. But, but hey, uh, more importantly, while I was on vacation down here, I did get some great news. I just shared with you earlier today. Um, you know how you, you you make certain achievements, and then you say, "Okay, here's the goal. My here's my next few goals or or milestones to get to." You know, so once I got my graduate degree, I wanted to get into college coaching. You know, I got there, you know, and um, I mean, the list goes from college coaching, college summer coaching, um, you know, Podcasting. running your own program, my, you know, minor leagues, whatever. You know, I go, the list goes up. Well, um, I'm going to be, I was just, I'm going to be named this week the manager of the uh, Cincinnati Steam, which is a collegiate summer team in the, in the Great Lakes League, which is, Arguably in the top eight to 10 summer leagues in the country. Wow. Congratulations. I, yeah, I'm excited, man. I, got, I actually called Johnston Hobbs, our old guest, because I got three Indiana University players coming that I'll be coaching. Wow. Now, you, guys, have you ever been the full blown manager before? No, I've always been like a hitting coach or for, you so know, this is your first, this you is my are first the actual show. managing gig. I'm really excited about it. Really, how many, how many weeks does the season go? It's going from June. I'll tell you in a second. June 4th to like July 28th. And if there's playoffs, they'll be done like the first week of August. So it's like a six week season plus some playoffs. Yeah. And have you, have you been able to look over the roster? Do you I'm, know who I'm you actually got? looking at it right now as I'm talking to you. Okay. Um, I got Indiana, Indiana university, Akron university, South Carolina, Cincinnati, U, Northern Kentucky, Dayton, uh, Lehigh, central Colorado, central Florida. So you'll be playing those college teams in summer league? No, these these are these are these are players oh, D one players from who are coming. Okay. That are so you, be these are, you're going to be team. coaching. These are this is D one. Yeah, this is high I'm level. Going to be coaching D one, bro. I mean, when we when we grew up when when we grew up, you know, the Cape Cod League was everything. You were in the Cape Cod League, you were getting looked at all the time. Well, Steve right? Balboni made the whole Steve Balboni Hall of Fame. There you go. So, um, you know, so this is you know, there's going to be scouts coming to see these guys. There's going to oh, be that's great, man. Hey, listen, you, you know, make listen to me, okay? Make sure you have your BS shoes on. You introduce yourself to everybody. Have cards on. You get cards printed out. Yeah, I'm gonna. So you know, uh, word it very neatly and and classy. I don't have Cincinnati steam on it, but uh, you know, so that way when this gig ends, somebody says, "Hey, I like that guy. I like what he did." Blah blah blah. Uh, maybe this could lead to bigger things, bro. That's awesome. Um, yeah. I have nothing to report on my end career-wise. Come on, you guys. You am, had to get I a hit am, this week. Did I, you have I, a hit I, this I, week? Uh, I'm actually playing tonight. Okay. I, I'm still uh, – we had Mother's Day off. I'm playing tonight in another league, the Chop Sports Network team. Um, and I am still O for 2021. 
Oh I, uh, I started my diet on Mother's Day. I'm eating healthier. I did. And um, I can't go out like this. Johnny Trino cannot be over. No. Me going over 11, that would, I, I can't even make, that would be like having, uh, pitching a no hitter against like Pete Rose, Rod Carew, uh, 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 Ty Cobb, Tony Gwynn, Babe Ruth, Tony Gwynn, and like batting last would be like, I don't know. Gardner, no, <laughs> I just, I just, uh, that is funny, but, but you just mentioned some of the greats. I read a stat not too long ago about Tony Gwynn. If he went in like the last of his career, oh, for like 2,800, he still would have batted. If that would have took, that would have finally put him under 300. I know. If he went I love 0 for 2,000 like and something. That's a very funny stat. That's a, you know, at all those stats we go like, oh my God. Um, and by the way, based upon uh, last week's show, um, I looked at Merrill was talking about how Reggie's record, the 2,500 strikeouts, yeah, yeah. would like will probably be broken. I really wasn't that accurate on that. I, it, the, a lot of guys uh, like Sanchez and Judge are well on their way, but yeah. uh, they are not really even close. Um, I, I really don't think even if, I, I I just don't think that record won't be broken until another 15 years from now. Yeah, I mean, it's, 14, the player's going to have to play 20 you, years. You got to play years. a long time. Yeah. Um, you know, it, and 200 uh, strikeouts a season, and sometimes they don't strike out 200 times. Right. And also the pandemic, there wasn't as many games, so that cut back down. Yeah. I but mean, uh, uh, I Reggie's, think, uh, Reggie's record is secure for quite a while. I I'll, think, be, I'll be an old man. It could be broken, but I mean, something like the other we, we, we've talked about, you know, I'm not sure Cy Young's 500 wins will ever get touched no, that or his losses remember. for that matter. Remember the, um, the, the Cy Young and the other one is um, Johnny Rose, Vandermeer. Johnny break, Vandermeer. Yeah. Two, to, two, to break his record, you got to throw three. Yeah. That, that ain't happening. So um, uh, I saw my tie at one day. I, I'm not right. even, I can't imagine and, that, but I can't. Did I ever uh, tell you I was at the game when uh, Fernando Tatis, the father, hit two grand slams? Oh, well, yeah. Yeah, in the Cardinals. Yeah. Yeah, I was at the game. Two grand slams. Oh, he was in an Cardinals. inning. Yeah. What? Yeah. He and the- against Chad Ho Park. Yep. Two grand slams, same inning. Okay. In a game where Mark McGuire struck out twice with the bases loaded in those innings. Oh, I didn't and know that. The, the reason why that'll never be broken, because he broke like, uh, like most RBI, obviously, two grand slams in an inning, two home runs in an inning. Right, that's RBIs. been done. That's been done. I think two home yeah. runs, but eight RBIs in an inning. No. you know, like on base percentage in an inning, all that stuff. Uh, and in order to do it, you got to hit three grand slams in an inning. I don't think that's happening. But you know, when when he hit the home run, there was a big Mark McGuire fan two two rows ahead of me, and I looked at my buddy. I was like, dude, that that's a record right there, off the same pitcher. Eight, you know, guy turned around. He goes. Nah, bro. Maguire did that last year. He had two grand slams. I was like, I looked at the guy. I was like, no, he didn't. He might have hit three grand slams in a game. He didn't do it in one inning. I can't do it in one inning. No. I mean, how many people even get up to do that? You know. But uh, anyway, uh, I am. Um, yeah. So I looked up the Reggie Kingman thing, the strikeouts, and uh, based upon the Reggie Kingman thing we did last week, and sad to say, I think Reggie's still going to hold that record for a while. Yeah, I, but, I have to say so. This is exciting. So uh, Rick's got a new summer league coaching job, uh, manager job for the first time. So we'll be keeping a keen eye on that. Yeah. <laughs> I wonder if our uh, our podcast schedule might have to be adjusted there. I guarantee you that. But um, which is fine. Uh, but let's talk about a little bit about um, for the first time, our Mets and Yankees are both playing on well. Fire. Mets are on fire. They're winning these, pulling out these last second wins, which is exciting. Um, one negative on the Mets, I'm going to talk about the Mets, I guess, uh, is DeGrom getting hurt. And everybody, nobody wants to see that. From what I, I hear, he, it's, it's not nothing major. The MRI was cleaned and he's already throwing bullpens. But you do know it's the Mets. So that means I know when, some, I, when somebody gets hurt, next thing I, you know, he's 57 years old doing a documentary <laughs> and I never played again. But you, you, you were fine. You went two innings afterwards. You, uh, um, who, who, who would you say would be the poster boy? For the Mets with that injury thing, there was a guy about seven years ago. Well, Jason like, Bay, Jason Bay had the uh, he ran and, into the 
fence. He had a concussion. And then, but it's like he never. He's yeah. like he was like gone forever. Like what? Yeah, pretty much. It ended his career, that. pretty much. That, oh, Ryan Church. Ryan Church is the guy we're talking about, actually. Okay. He, okay. He had a, he got hit the wall, hit a concussion, and then they 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 cleared him somehow. Well, they now the protocols they have now. He flew with the team to Colorado. And that just really screwed him up. And he really never played again. <laughs> but never so at the fun. level that he was a major league. Right, right. Uh, so, yeah, Mets playing well. The Yankees are starting to hit, starting to hit some home runs. And their pitching's uh, coming. Their pitching's been really pitching, good. Uh, Cole pitched eight. Yeah. I mean, no, he, eight he innings, One 12 nothing, strikeouts, right? shutout, a three-hitter, a two-hitter, whatever the hell it was. Um, he pitched a gem. And you know who's pitching really well for the Yankees is, um, um, oh, my God. The closer, a uh, senior moment, Chapman. I can't believe I forgot his name. Uh, I, uh, I apologize for the well. Chapman family. Yeah, he hasn't given up a run yet. So oh, nice. ZRA is zero. Well, I tell you, I tell um, you what's with the Mets on the Mets side, you know, they call them the bench squad. Uh, Jonathan VR, Kevin Pilar, Jose Peraza. They're coming in for you know, guys who are injured like Nemo and Davis. And uh, now uh, McNeil had anyway, cramps the other night or something like that, like cramps. But um, they've been lights out. I mean, they're, they're, they're playing. I don't know if they're playing above their heads or not. I mean, they watch stars on other teams. They've gotten older. But they're coming off the bench, and they're playing great. That is um, that is what you want to be at this point in the year. You want to get some momentum heading into the dog days of summer. Um, I'm not so sure how good the division is. So I, I, there's no doubt the Mets can, I, I, can win the that Met, division. For the Mets, it comes down to the Braves. I think the Braves are the ones you got to watch out for. You always got it. But you know what? That's going to end. I mean, we've been saying, I feel like we've been saying that for 30 years, and maybe it's true, but eventually, you know, the, the, the brave mystique has to go away. Just like yeah. the oh, I can't Red wait Sox for mystique has ended. Um, I'll tell you what's a good team. The Marlins are actually a pretty decent team, but they're just so young. They right. need time to develop, but they're actually a decent team. It looks like, uh, um, uh, oh, you said the Florida Marlins. I was going to say, the Florida Marlins. Listen, man, uh, I mean, maybe. Marlins- uh, some reason I got confused with the Devil Rays. I'm senior moment today, three times a senior moment. Uh, well, you know, Captain Jeter um, uh, over there, uh, and uh, he's building I, a team. Yeah. Well, I listen. I think it was a good move getting rid of Stanton for him. If you're going to be the face of the ownership, you want to start from scratch. And they right. only have a not, they only have a ten dollar budget anyway, so you might right. as well start well, from Stan's scratch. Been, you know, Jim Carlos Stanton's been. He's been out you know what? He I've been watching. He's my favorite player on the current team. And um, I just thoroughly enjoy watching him hit. He does strike out a lot, but uh, he's making contact and he's oh. having decent at bats. Yeah. Um, the problem with the Yankees is the, is the, you know, Clint Frazier and the, uh, uh, these guys, Sanchez and Aaron, Aaron Hicks. These guys are batting 150. I mean, you can't. It's May now. Enough with the one fifty. You know. What I yeah. Mean? He, I mean, you get, well, Lindor. Like Lindor finally seems to have come out of it. He's got a seven game hitting streak. So what's, uh, it, what's his batting average now? I think it's it? just over the Mendoza line. Finally, it's Woo-hoo. finally over two hundred. Uh, yeah, I was like, wow, that guy. He had a big climb though, man. He was down around one forty nine. That's unbelievable. And yeah, that he, he was blessed that it's during the pandemic a little bit because. I think the crowd would have been much more on him. Oh yeah. When you only have 5,000 people busting your chops. It ain't as but, bad. Uh, I think it'll be okay. But like you said, you think it'll be in that 270 range, right? I said two, I said at the end of the year, 275, 22 to 28 home runs with wow. 85 RBIs. Dude, he's got to hit a lot to do that. Nah, he's going to have to. He's, I mean, but he's getting paid. What you're saying is he's got to bat. He's got to bat like 325 the rest of the way. What you're saying. Nah, look, he, look, anyone can, have a hot month and pull that out. I mean, guys have hit four over 400 for him. Look, Mike Trout's still hitting 400, I think. <laughs> That's true. That's why yeah. some, some announcers don't even do averages because it makes absolutely no sense. Yeah. But um, I, I think, I mean, going, the Mets are on the road now. Um, so it was a good week. It was a good, they were five and one on the home the Mets, stand. The Yankees, you got a cool job. You're on the, vacation. The, the Knicks are in the playoffs. The Knicks have made the today. playoffs. I, I was just going to get to the Knicks because I, I do every show. I got to mention the Knicks. The Knicks are actually part of the, not the play-in game. Knicks are playing very well. They lost a heartbreaker to the Lakers, which they blew the other night. Um, uh, but the Knicks are fun to watch. My Knicks are back. Uh, all a, is decent. And the Giants just announced their schedule and getting ready for football. So these are bu- busy times in the sports world. But the most important thing is, 
it is time for our favorite part of our podcast. It's what the heck is this guy doing now? <laughs> oh, actually, or as Rick calls it, it's do you remember that guy sponsored by www.centerofthecup.com? Do you remember that guy sponsored by centerofthecup.com? You know, I'm going to start butchering the center of the cup uh, kind of. Uh, I know you probably, you probably will soon. But um, yes, what the heck happened to that guy? Uh, here we go. Um, I'm going to go first this week. You're going to go first? Okay. Yeah, because you well, be- well, first of all, first of all, first of all, I apologize to our fan base and to Rick. Because no. No, Rick Rick made out what I thought was an asinine comment about Danny Heap. And I usually it's a surprise who he picks. Right. I was so I was like, what? Danny Heap was good. And I said, you know what? I'm changing the rule. It's our show. We can change the rules. Um, I'm forcing you to Danny Heap. And he so, was all up for the challenge. Right. So, so now uh, what the heck happened to Danny Heap? Right. And here's a full page of information. Here we go. OK, here we go. Right. First of all, first I like of all, to I like to ask you questions. First of all, how long did he play? Thirteen years. Wow, didn't realize that. So lifetime batting average two fifty seven. Okay, it's not it's not great, but it's not okay. great. On base percentage three thirty lifetime. And who and what years did he play for the Mets? Eighty three to eighty six. Wow, only three years. Okay, I thought it was a little longer than four years how technically. Many, how many teams? 83, 84, 85, 86. Four how, years. How many teams did he play with? Uh, five Houston, the Mets, the Dodgers, Red Sox, and Braves. Oh, he was on the Red Sox. I think I remember. He is a two-time world champion. His fielding, he was an outfielder. His so we got it with the Mets and who? The Dodgers in '88 when the Mets when the Mets beat the Dodgers in the playoffs. They beat Oakland. Uh huh. Okay, two-time world champion. I didn't know that either. Okay, his his out his fielding percentage because he was an outfielder for most of his career. He played a little first base which was actually high also, but his lifetime outfield fielding percentage is 986. Wow. So he was a good fielder. Okay. He was a good fielder. Here's what he did with the Mets for the four years he played. Did he he start? No. The most games he ever played in one season is in 1983 with the Mets and is 115. He only batted 253 that year with 326 on base percentage and 395 slugging percentage. However, in the championship year in 1986, he played 86 games, batted 282 to 379 on base percentage and a 421 ah. slugging percentage. His so I guess what that year, was, I remember the Danny Heat, the 253 Danny Heat. Okay. I guess uh, his, his best year was actually in 1989 with the Red Sox. He got in 113 games, played, uh, batted 300, 356 on base percentage with a 400 slugging percentage. Where's that? Uh, um, uh, where, where's it? Where's he from? San Antonio, Texas. He went to Lee High School, which, of course, he's in the Hall of Fame there. <laughs> of course, everybody, even all the, you know, it's funny. He's a major we, leaguer. They're in the Hall of Fame. Me, me and Rick always laugh about. Um, we do this segment, and uh, sometimes we we don't know what happens to the guys, but also we always find out that they're in some Hall of Fame, fame somewhere. Right. Of, uh, but I guess if you play thirteen years and you're from a small town, you should be in their Hall of Fame. He went to St. Mary's University, and he was a two-time All-American, 1976 and 1978. He was drafted in 1979 by the Astros. Now he's there's two significant things about his career besides the two championships. Any trades involved? Well, yes, he came to the Mets in 1983. The Mets sent Mike Scott to Houston. For Danny Heap. Oh, dear God. That's a terrible trade. <laughs> That's a t- At the time, Mike it Scott wasn't was... because Mike Scott was terrible. And then suddenly he found himself. Found himself. <laughs> yeah. I found himself into, into he like real like he was like not unhittable for for a two year period there. Right. Although right. The, the, they, you know, people do say he scuffed the ball, whatever. Um <laughs> Mike Scott for Danny Heap. By the way, if you go to a bar in Queens right now and say Mike Heap, uh, Danny Heap for Mike Scott, see if you know, see if anybody buys your beer. Oh yeah, uh, yeah. Well, yeah, they did. Anyway, I know what you're saying, <laughs> but he also was the four thousandth strikeout of Nolan Ryan. Oh, there's a tidbit. All right, okay. Now, for, I forgot Ryan had four thousand strikeouts. Dear right God. now, he retired in 1991. Now. There's a gap in the, the timeline. I guess he goes home. He he did have a phys ed degree, so he could you know teach in high school, or whatever phys ed. But in 1998, 
he becomes the, the coach for the NCAA, hope I'm pronouncing this correctly, Incarnate Word Cardinals, um, Division Two at the time. They later become Division One. But he was a coach from 1998 to 2017, and he won two conference championships as the head coach. Oh, wow. His overall record as a college coach was 601 wins versus 473 losses. Wow, so he coached for 20 years. Yeah. Head coach for 20, I mean, head coach, manager for 20 years. Wow. Yeah, the, he okay. led the program. So, and now he's retired. He doesn't. Uh, no, I, after his retirement, after he left in 2017, there's not a not a speck of information on him. All right. So Danny Heap, decent, uh, much a little bit better of a player than I thought. I did not think he played 13. Years. He did not suck. That that was the emphasis of your of your. Of yeah, your, he did. Your I, I so I stand antagonism. Corrected. Danny Heap did. First of all, that should be the new title of the show. Did he suck? <laughs> um, <laughs> Well, but could no. we, do you remember that guy under under that? Did he suck? <laughs> Who you got? The Jimmy for and me? Rick show. Did this guy suck? And um, my guy is. Um, I think you're gonna you're gonna know this guy, but there's and you think you're gonna know him for two reasons. And I'll get to that in a minute. He played 16 years in the big. That that blew my mind. Um, he's 59 years old today. He played um, he played with the Yankees from 87 to 95. Okay. Okay. So he was there when they stunk, and right as they started to get good, he yeah. was out. Oh, God. Uh, he, a little bit like uh, Mattingly. He played all the infield positions, and he also played the outfield. Not only I would normally say that he was the ultimate uh, utility infielder, but really he was. Um, he was played everywhere. Played everywhere. You know, the, all the outfield positions and all the infield positions, which that I know you know is now becoming a manager when you have a guy that can you right. can plug yeah, and that, play. That, yeah, that, that could save your job. Uh, especially with injuries now, and a guy's got to sit out every. These players now have to sit out every day for whatever reason. Um, lifetime batting average is two seventy six. Not bad. He had a hundred home runs, 1,100 hits. Um, you can remember him. His name is Randy Velarde. Oh man! Okay, he had um, a good career with the A's, didn't he? Yeah, he played. A's? He played with um, uh, sixteen years in the bigs. Um, he played with the uh, Anaheim and Oakland. Okay. He's got a couple of he's got a couple of weird things. Buck Showalter loved him for obvious reasons. Oh, he yeah, was a everywhere. He, he could play everywhere, and he also would get a little streaky with the, with the bat. And he, uh, you know, he he also had an unassisted triple play against the Yankees. Okay, in '97, line drive off of uh, Shane Spencer stepped on second day. Um, the uh, what was I going to say his um, he's the sixth player to get 200 hits with two teams in the same season. No. And the other guy, one of the other guys who do it was Willie Montanez. <laughs> you know, oh, my guy. God. So I would uh, never figure Willie Montanez for 200 hits yeah, in a season. He, he, he desperately wanted to be on the Yankees uh, after 95, but he wanted to, I guess he felt he was there for eight years. He wanted a three-year deal. Um, and the Yankees, I guess, um, you know, maybe they had some youth going on. Uh, well, they, Jeter was coming you know, up. Jeter you know, was they, coming up, I guess, the, and they didn't sign him, so he reluctantly uh, signed with uh, Anaheim. Then he ended up at Oakland, and he had some he had some very good seasons with Oakland. As a matter of fact, uh, you know, the most games he ever played uh, was uh, he was with uh, the Anaheim, 136 games. He played uh, with Anaheim and Oakland. He played 156, so two or three seasons. I in my mind he played he was a regular regular player, but he batted three seventeen one year he batted two eighty five one year two seventy eight one year, um, ended up back on the Yankees in two thousand one, thought he was going to win a championship finally, and they got beat beat uh, in that scenario. But he's also known now his stats got much better when he got to Anaheim and Oakland. However, oh, yeah. not under the microscope that, of New York, you know that. Well, also here comes the Mitchell report. Yeah, and Randy Velarde actually testified testified that he got uh, steroids. To me, Randy Velarde, God bless him, he did it right. Uh, he said, "I used the I used the cream, the clear, and the uh, the other one." Oh, from the tobacco uh, industry. Yeah, yeah totally got injected. Got injected by Anderson, Chris Anderson, or whatever his name was, uh, which was uh, McGuire's trainer. Uh, totally, uh, you know. He admitted to completely, I did steroids. And it, I think his stats, 
uh, improve that. His batting average got a little better. His power got a little better. So he might be one of those classic guys of being, you know, a below average player and took steroids and it bumped him up to being uh, a couple of above average seasons. You know what? But the way the guys are paid today, I mean, think about it. If you're getting paid for performance and you're able to take a pill or a drug, it's going to make you better. And at the time, it wasn't known as this evil thing. Right. Uh, I, but I, I give him credit. He came clean. The weird thing about Randy Velarde is, um, I, I, for some reason, I remember he was always in the game. Again, those, these utility guys sometimes, they only come in the eighth inning, you know, and you're watching the game. And I just remember hearing Randy Velarde's name like, I, I swear, like one year he had a start with the Yankees. He never did. He was also uh, like Mattingly's backup at first. So right. he came in certain games where they were getting blown out. They wanted to give Mattingly a rest. Um, but, uh, you know, like I said, his big thing is definitely the steroid era. However, through intensive Googling, I can't find anything on Randy Velarde. It's amazing. He's not coaching anywhere. Uh, he, re- he retired in uh, what he retired in 2002. Um and he did announce his retirement. Oakland wanted him back. And he just said, like, no, no, I don't want it. Like, and then he, he didn't want to, but he's gone. I can't find out if he has kids. Is he married? Where he works? It's, Nothing. Some of the, it's amazing sometimes. We, we pick these guys and you're like, like you said last week, they're either doing all this volunteer great work or there's nothing on them. Nothing. Can't find and I, I even went on, I went on like Facebook and Twitter. I tried to look. I can't. Now there's other. There's one guy who's a big uh, CEO of some company named Randy Velarde. And I thought for a second, oh, God, Maybe. he became. And then yeah. I looked up. The guy was born in 1960. He was, he was quite older. So um, I, it wasn't him. Uh, and he wasn't born in Midland, Texas, either, which he was probably, he's 58 years old. Now. But uh, so, yeah, Randy Velarde, if anybody knows, call into the show, send an email. What happened to Randy? That, that's going to be another segment. What the hell? What, so what happened to this guy? What happened to this guy? Nobody knows. Yeah. Other than he was a pretty decent utility player for the Yankees, Anaheim, and Oakland A's. Hey, he played 16 years. He had to be pretty hey, good at something. Uh, it's unbelievable. Yeah. 16 years in the bigs. You can't deny, like, no. again, our, our common theme is always you're sitting at a bar and you bring up Randy Velarde. Someone's going to go, ah, he stunk. We got you. And then you find out 16 years. 16 like, years in the major. I'm trying to look like, let, uh, on the current Met roster, on guys we, and Yankee roster, on guys we think stink. Who's going to 16 years from now, we're still going to be talking about them. Like, right. I don't know. It's a, you, you can't even, uh, you can't even really guess who's going to play that long. You just can't. No, not anymore. You can't because, because the, the change is so fast. But listen, coming up on the show, we have a great interview um, and a little treat at the end where Johnny Trino makes an appearance. Yes. I, Johnny Trino makes an odd appearance. With our next guest coming up. You're listening to Interlocking NYs with Rick and Jimmy on 365 Sportscast Network every Sunday at 8 p.m. All right. We have a very special guest here. And, you know, th- this guest means a lot to me on, on, on many different levels. Um, there's an obvious reason, and we'll get to that in a second. But the, the, the main reason is I've always been enamored by uh, public address announcers. And um, even my, one of the owners of this network I'm on now is uh has tried to dabble in the public address announcer arena and i've been imitating bob shepherd since i'm i'm five years old and um you actually do a pretty been, good bob shepherd i do i do i do um and i have fun with it by i actually enjoy doing bob shepherd more when he did the games at giant stadium because that was always funnier to me you know spilled by carson and taylor so but this this guest we have on now again this is awesome. It's uh, it's a shame it has to do with the Mets. Um, yes. We have on our show the public address announcer of the Metropolitans, Colin Cosell. Welcome to Interlocking NYs, buddy. How you doing, man? I'm doing well, Jimmy and Rick. Thanks for having me on. Hey, I, I of course, I was reading up on you, and, and uh, obviously uh, the, the, the elephant in the room, this is Howard Cosell's grandson, um, and I left. I saw a quote from you um, that said, "You actually, you uh, do you really honestly think you do the best imitation of all time, Jimmy?" There's a huge difference between thinking and knowing. <laughs> I love that. I love that because a buddy of mine does Marv Albert so well, and I always joke around. No matter anybody does Marv Albert, I go, "Oh no, no, I got the guy. His name is he's a comedian named Sarge. Look him up. He 
he he worked with Marv for two years, so he sat and listened to him. Uh, he just nails it. He nails it in the humor way and all that different stuff. But uh, that's wonderful. Actually, I'll tell you, my my father in law was actually my father in law at ABC was actually Howard Cosell's boss. His oh. name was Mike Malarty. He was uh, a real big shot. He's still alive. He's eighty seven years old. He was a real big shot at ABC. Uh, chief financial officer and president of uh, all he was in charge of all the radio stations and um, uh, stuff like that. He had many, many dealings with Howard and he giggles now. Um, you know, he was telling me a few Howard stories, which I thought was cool. And I told him, I said, I'm going to be interviewing his grandson. He's like, Oh, is that right? You know? And he knew, he knew Howard for a long time, but of course he was the, he was the suits at ABC. So, you know, you know, Howard and the suits butted heads all the time. I'm sure oh, yeah. you know that. But let's, I want to talk about you. Um, Finally. So listen, dude, I got to ask you something. Uh, so you are the PA announcer at City Field. Well, I call it Shea. It should still be called Shea. Um, I want to ask you, what what is your like day like in doing that? Like games at 7 o'clock, what time do you get to the ballpark? Uh, I aim to get there at about 5.30. Um Five five thirty, uh, so that I can just kind of get situated, go through my scripts. I mean, the first thing I do, and this is God's honest truth, is I pull up to the ballpark and I just kind of gawk and stare at it, and I'm like, my voice is going to fill this ballpark. This maybe ah, it's, ballpark. It's awesome. 30, That's 30, awesome, though. There's thirty ballparks in the entire world that are under Major League Baseball, and my voice gets to fill one of them. So without fail, I always just kind of stare at it, and I'm like, wow. Um, and that well, that happens every time I pull up. Uh, then I go in. I, uh, you know, fraternize with the production crew. We have the best production crew in uh, in all of sports, as far as I can tell, in-game production, that is. Uh, I go through my uh, scripts, uh, see if there's any funky pronunciations for a pregame uh, ceremonial yeah. pitch or anything like that. You yep. most, also, you have, to, you have to go over the opposing team to make sure there's not like one of those Ippolito Pena guys or something like that. Oh, I do that, that. I do that before I arrive at the ballpark. I will okay. go through. Um, you know, after four years of doing this now, I'm in my fourth season, you know, you, you have a really solid grasp, but I will go through the 40 man roster nonetheless, and make sure if there's anything that looks tricky. Um, and then for ones that should not be tricky at all, like Eugenio Suarez, uh, I'm not sure if he's still on the reds or where he is now. I don't care. Yeah. His name gave me hits, um, third baseman. And it should just be Eugenio or Eugenio Suarez, but it's Eugenio. It's like this polysyllabic mess of a name. Um, <laughs> and I just, and I, I'm so glad I looked that up because going into it, I, you know, I would look that up phonetically. Also major league baseball supplies all PA announcers with phonetic, uh, a phonetic listing team by team. Oh, that's cool. Uh, which is helpful. Sometimes it's a little wonky as well. So I'll do my due diligence and go through uh, a few YouTube videos, make sure that everyone, there's some synchronicity there uh, and uh, make sure I've got all the pronunciations right. But um, for all intents and purposes, it, it's about making sure that I've got all of the, the, the scripts right, see if the wording seems off, if there's any okay. grammatical mistakes. Uh, make sure that it's something that's going to flow easily for me. If there's anything tricky, uh, you know, rewrite it a little bit. Um, okay. And then I'll go through our, our show flow, our run of show, and I'll highlight each time it says PA announcer. So I'm, you know, prepared that uh, bottom of the ninth in between or at the end of the, you know, I'm sorry, bottom of the ninth, uh, end of third, I'll have an announcement, um, you know, for an MLB game break update of what's going on around the league, stuff like that. So um, do you, do you, um, is there any difference uh, to me? Uh, I can't tell you how so much I'm into this kind of PA thing. And I'll, I'll give you an example. I, I think the PA announcer, like uh, I haven't been to city field yet, so I haven't heard your voice yet. Oh, except uh, on YouTube in the background. stuff. what do you think? Does it, do you think the PA announcer's job is to just um, like not to incite the crowd or be, be a Homer. I always think the PA's PA announcer's job is, is pure. It should be announce the players, announce what's going on next week at City Field. There's a concert or something. If they, but like you don't. If it's a big Met game, Mets Atlanta, you know, seventh inning, you don't change your your tone or your voice, your excitement, do you? One hundred percent, because uh, we are at home, and I am the voice of that home, and I have a job to make sure that the fans get riled up at the right time. Okay. And, 
that's the way I view it. Um, and when it comes to the opposing team, if it's the Atlanta Braves, especially if it's a, an NL East division rival, uh, I put it, I'll put some extra stank on it. Absolutely. Okay. Okay. Uh, nice. Because here's the thing. My, the, the, what I love about my job is not just being an informant, and letting them know what they already know, who's batting next. They can find that out by looking anywhere in the ballpark at any electronic screen or just at looking at a scorecard or on their phone. Um, but putting some extra oomph, if the, the last person had a hit, we've got bases loaded, Pete Alonso's coming up to bat. I'm going to take that up to 100%. You know, I, I do it by All right, All right. that's interesting. I, I, I respect that too. I, I didn't realize um, if there was some kind of the Mets, how much the organization or MLB wanted their PA announcers to be because I know I, when I, I saw Eli Manning's first game at the San Diego Chargers, and I thought the PA announcer really went out of his way. He announced, because he announced Eli Manning's name whenever he possibly could. And it always got the crowd fired up with heavy boos. And I was like, oh, man, this guy, this is being such a homer here. Because at, at Giant Stadium, well, Bob Shepard would have never done that. Well, but no, it well, is a different time now. There's I do different it. times. And You're right I, about the stuff on the board. Um, as a matter of fact, I just went to Yankee Stadium a week ago. I can't believe how much information is on the board now out there. It's, it's almost like they have, like, stock reports, you know, real estate rates going on. It's like it's very uh, uh, information intensive. So I guess it would make sense that the PA guy. Well, um, when you think about it, though, Jim, up when his, you think? Uh, up it. When you think about it, I mean, because Colin's role now that I mean, I'm listening to him and describe what he does makes total sense to me because, you know, Gary Keith and Ron are, are big in, in the Mets fans world when they're watching the show and uh, Howie and Howie's big on the radio. But when you're at the game, it's now Colin, which I right, never right. I never really actually yeah, believe it or not. Some people put two and two together out there. Now, the, the crazy people. You know, Colin, now you're off right now with the Mets, but you also do the Cyclones, correct? Yeah, Cyclones. Um, and the Riptide. New York Riptide. Uh, oh, wow, and, uh, I'm starting so with cool. the uh, Stony Brook Seawolves as well. Uh, oh, nice. So, my old stomping grounds. With basketball. Um, but very quickly, just to backtrack, um, this is literally, Jimmy, the evolution of the PA announcer. You know, it is, um, you know, there, there's a synergy there that I thrive on. Uh, when I'm doing the starting lineups, like for the Orioles yesterday, I, you know, went through their lineup and it was just straightforward. Like here they are, uh, including Matt Harvey. But there are times when if it's a player's first time back at the ballpark and they left a lasting impression on the Mets fans and the Mets right. organization that their first time up or the, when they're because obviously in the case of a pitcher and we're in the NL, he's going to bat. So when Matt, Matt Harvey came up to bat yesterday, I gave him some oomph. I treated him like a home player, That's but at cool. about like 50% crowd went nuts. And in that moment, I know there's that synergy. I thrive on it. The crowd thrives on it. And that's true. We, that's true. In that moment, we're we're in it together. You know, right? Uh, that is, that is true. If, if, say, if, we're, if, we're, if we're getting crushed thirteen two, I'm not going to go out there and be like Pete Alonzo. I'm going to be like <laughs> the first placement, Pete Alonzo. You know, I'll take it down. I'll give it that that first that you know that 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 home feel to it yeah. but it's all about you know the the decibels and and the energy in my voice yeah number one uh, i i watched the game yesterday that was an excellent job by the way and i'm glad the Mets fans gave harvey a, a, you know his due um yeah. two i love the fact you keep bringing up p alonzo because right now he's my favorite ball player and um but, but i do want to say you have three you have, you have three emmy award uh wins what were those for exactly just for the just fans being, to know being in the right place at the right time literally yeah. No, I uh, I narrated and helped uh, produce some programs for MSG Varsity, rest in peace, um, which was a local network here in the tri-state area that covered high school sports and the high school experience um, through uh, through cable vision. And we did a couple of docu series. We did several actually um, that I helped uh, help produce and I wrote for and I also narrated. And the the two first ones that we did uh, we were nominated nine times and we won three times i was nominated individually i lost to robert randolph uh because he he won in our category for doing the friday night knicks theme song uh which i will not argue with robert randolph is a beast he's like the Jimi hendrix of the electric slide guitar so i bow down to him but uh, i will i will humbly say i was in the right place at the right time with the right people and uh yeah so now, i can put my resume they can't take it away from me i've got the trophies that's uh, right but, 
damn it, I was lucky. Now, now growing up, growing up, Cosell, which should be the title of your book, um, were you always interested in, like, obviously, was where was your whole, was your dad and your family were very big sports fans? Was it like, um, like in my family, we're giant and big Yankee fans, big giant fans, you know, and Knicks, Rangers, kind of that standard thing. Was that was it that way in your house, or were you more into media stuff? And did you always want to, you know, follow your grandfather's footsteps, or was it or was it just something you stumbled into later on? Uh, no, I, I figured it out at five years old. Uh, my grandfather used to have um, both of his daughters, my mom and my siblings, and uh, my aunt Hillary and her kids uh, come out to his summer home in West Hampton Beach, out in Long Island, the Southeast Shore. And uh, we'd spend the entire summer there. And it was um, very surreal because it was a middle-class upbringing for nine months of the year. And then three months of the year, we're in this like gorgeous house right (laughs) on the water in the Hamptons with an easement to the beach and a pool and a tennis court and a boat, blah, blah, blah. Um, But in my grandfather's bedroom, he had a microphone with a a live line that went straight to ABC. Now we're talking 1985. So at this point, the man earned his stripes. And so they installed this for him so that he could do his little 60-second speaking of everything. Right. right. uh, I remember that while he was away uh, from the studio or away from the city. And I saw this thing myriad times and didn't quite understand what it was all about. So one morning I, I asked my grandmother, uh, Howard's wife, Emmy, uh, to wake me up so I could see what Papa does on the microphone. I'm curious about this. And so I sat on his lap, I put it on his headphones and I talked in the microphone. I did my first ever air check and uh, <laughs> it's producer Eddie and I was in love. I said, I, I don't know what this thing is before me. I don't know what kind of witchcraft this is, or I'm able to hear my voice back. Technology wasn't that advanced at that point. I had a little Fisher Price tape recorder, but it didn't have this kind of audio quality. And I was hooked. That was it. I was like, I don't know what Papa does. I don't know who he is. I just know him as my doting grandfather. And I want right. to do this. I want to talk into a microphone for the rest of my life. That's, and I wow, do. that's, that's really cool. I, uh, that's funny. I love you. Your first sound well, check. I want to bring up. Real quick, he also doing a podcast um, on 365 Sportscast along with us called The Sport of Entertainment with co-host yep. Paul Olson. Right? Mm-hmm. They pronounced that right? Yeah, yeah. Hey, you nailed it. How long, how long have you been doing that podcast? We are seven episodes in, so oh, seven just like us. You started around the same time we did, I guess. Um, yeah. That's um, right. We're is a uh, a dear friend of mine has been a creative partner for the better part of uh, a decade plus now and is uh he does not have a background in radio and television uh but he is one of the funniest most cerebral human beings i know and i've been trying to get him uh behind a mic or in front of a mic however you want to put it uh for for years now and this seemed like the perfect outlet for it and he and i have a certain rapport that uh i think is hysterical um people around us do as well and uh and now that I've worked as a PA announcer and see what, you know, the inner workings of what goes into game production and what is going on to tantalize and captivate and entertain the crowd um, game in and game out away from the game itself. I, I figured, you know what, this is a great opportunity to really pull the curtain back and take a deep look at everything that keeps the crowds entertained and they're not even aware of it. And so, uh, you know, we, we, we say we pull the curtain back on it. So each episode, uh, the crowd will come away saying, oh, wow, I didn't even realize that was going on or, oh, yeah, that does happen. Or like, holy crap, there's a lot of things going into in-game entertainment. Uh, I'm definitely going uh, to be uh, – I listened to a little bit, but I'm really – I'm going to really uh, – totally dive into your podcast now because i love all that stuff i think it's cool as hell um did you also do like uh, I, i've been doing voiceovers for 30 years uh did you have did you do i have a voiceover agent and all that stuff did you do that route as well sure yeah i've done a, a lot of vo work um i've done some voice acting uh have done it literally all freelance uh it has been just through networking and friends being like hey would you voice wow. this thing for me or um, you know, and then obviously there's, it's all non-union because I'm not union and don't have an agent. Um, but with that, you should, you, know, you have an excellent voice. You should. Well, thank you. I appreciate maybe that. I'll, I, uh, maybe I'll, uh, I'll get some, uh, I'm with Abrams artists. Maybe I'll get, uh, I'll get you hooked up. Ladies right. and gentlemen, this is the beginning of the love affair that Jimmy's going to fall into with the Mets watch. No, no, I, listen, <laughs> we, I, he knows he could probably feel through the, through the microphone that, um. Uh, for, well, no. I feel. You know what? Uh, listen. Want to go? Want to get to the ball breaking section of our podcast? I really sure. feel bad for all PA announcers worldwide because there's only one PA announcer, and he's dead now. And um, so far as I'm concerned, they should 
I, I think stadiums should just close. Like we should just watch it on television. Oh, for the love of God! You shouldn't even I mean, go. Bob Shepard was. I get it, Bob Shepard. The voice of God, of the oh, voice of God has died. Listen, um, I listen. If that was the case, uh, they should have ended Monday Night Football after they, you know, after my grandfather. I, was- I, I listen. I agree with that. I mean, your, your grandfather, your grandfather rolled over his when my, I, I thought he was going to like come out of the grave when Dennis Miller did Monday Night Football. So I was like, I know it, it's funny. I had a conversation with um, uh, Dennis Miller's brother, and I didn't know it was Dennis Miller's brother. He's uh, a producer. Excuse me. Uh, he's a producer and uh, wants to do a film on on my grandfather. And uh, I said, yeah. And then there was that debacle with Dennis Miller. And he starts laughing and he goes, all right, I got to give you full disclosure right now. That's my brother. And I was oh like, my well, God. Full disclosure, it was a debacle. And he's like, no, we know. We know. And he got, I'm like, look, I'm a Costell. We tell it like it is. It was a debacle. It was a disaster. It should never have happened. What, um, what, what year was that? Do you know what year Dennis Miller was on? No, because it's one of those things where you just try 90s? to forget. It. Try to forget. It, it was have to, I, No, because you know why? I want to bust my father-in-law's balls and tell him. Hey, you were you were high up the food chain and allowed that to happen. He probably yeah. voted no on it. I assure you. Um, so uh, so listen, uh, being a hey, listen, you have a a very uh, very cool job, um, I think. And uh, I actually talked to a couple of Met fans uh, about yeah, you, you that, that you go to Met games. Should, you you think I shouldn't have my job because no, Bob only Sh- because you're not Bob Shepard. <laughs> listen, I'll tell you this, Mets fans. Obviously, with with great reasons, uh, do do not particularly like the Yankees or their fans or anything. But when I mention Bob Shepard and the fact that I want to be the Bob Shepard of City Field, they give nothing but respect. So yes, there's of, that is true. You know what? You know what? I I I now I'm back in love with you because <laughs> the love affair is back because yeah. you just said I want to be the Bob Shepard of City Field. Now right. I still think it should be called Shay. But maybe I'm not going to win that argument now. Um, you know what? Listen, can you imagine? Listen, I would have given you four four hours of airtime if this was Bob Shepard's grandson. But um, oh my god, will you get? Uh, but listen, I, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. He knows I'm busting his job. Um, no, I think it's awesome. I I uh, I like I said, I love listening to uh, to all that kind of stuff. Um, uh, I've always been. I, I hated. I, well, tell me about this the Todd Frazier thing. I know you introduced him differently um, and your grandfather had the famous, you know, down goes Frazier and stuff like that. Um, did you do that off the cuff or you just said, Oh, I got to do it. Like did anybody, one of your buddies say like, how did that come about? Well, it was kind of funny because my, my wife has always loved Todd Frazier. He's just a real personality. He's, you know, kind of a, a lovable oaf and, uh, yeah. and a hell of a I'm a Rutgers player. guy. So I love him. Fair enough. And, um, and he's, you know, he's, he's a Jersey uh, homie, but uh when I got the job, the first thing that came to my mind, I'm like, okay, how am I going to announce these names? And uh, Todd Frazier is, you know, serendipitous. <laughs> and so, like, even with the introductory pressers that I was doing for uh, when I when I got the job, I said, you know, I of course I'm going to say, you know, Todd Frazier. And uh, <laughs> and then I turned oh, to my boss, and it's just like, okay, I mean, I'm not going to go over the top with it, but what if? Because at the end of the game, we um, the first couple of years, we had uh, our, our Nike clutch play of the game. And that would be whatever turned the tide or if it was a walk-off right. or what have you. So anytime it was Todd Frazier, if it was a home run, a walk-off home run from Todd Frazier, and I got to do this twice, uh, my, my boss gave me the uh, – uh, let me take the reins, and I, I yelled, out goes Frazier! Todd Frazier's <laughs> game-winning home run in the bottom of the ninth is, you know, the, our Nike clutch play of the game. And uh, wow, that is good. <laughs> you do good, but you do do good, Howard. There's no doubt about no, that. No, that doing my Howard. That was me paying an homage to Howard. If it was, yeah, you know, it. It was, out goes Frazier. Todd <laughs> Frazier's walk-off home run in the bottom of the ninth inning, winning the game for the New York Metropolitans is your Nike play of. I don't know what, you know what, I, I if I were, like, if, if the Mets ever had, like, a real lousy record and it was five games, I would go up to your boss and say, let him do the whole game as Howard Cosell up in the booth. <laughs> like, right. We're, no, we're eight games out with two to play. Nobody cares. It's raining. It, there's there's 10,000 people here. There's a pandemic. Uh, he's going to do Howard Cosell in, uh, as a PA announcer. 
as much as I'd love to do that at some point, Jimmy, I'm 41 years old. I'd love to carve out my own damn legacy, if you don't mind. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm just on yeah, one. Yeah, sure. Listen, I knew I, I, read, I, I Googled you and I read up on you. I knew uh, I wouldn't have even brought uh, your grandfather up if I didn't know you like loved your grandfather and he was good with you. And because sometimes no. you sometimes you talk about I've met celebrities uh, of kids and grandkids a few times out in L.A. And you bring it up, be like, oh, wow, you know, and next thing you know, you get this like evil eye and look and like, you don't know what an evil man. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm just I don't know who you are. <laughs> just being kind. Hey, my grandfather, yeah. he was very he was very polarizing amongst amongst fans and amongst coworkers. I mean, every every time without fail that I talked to Bob Costas, he brings up the story the first time he met him. My grandfather was not particularly nice to him. Um, I think to a certain degree, he was intimidated by him because Bob is an ex- extraordinarily intelligent man, a very versatile broadcaster slash uh, reporter slash anchor. I mean, like the man, right. I-, I could see why my grandfather and, you know, and this this guy comes in looking like a 12 year old and he goes, oh, so it's the child, the boy wonder, <laughs> and, uh, you know, and and he called him child Costas. And, and Bob now is like, let that go. But uh, I can see it a lot. But, you know, behind the scenes, my grandfather uh, was a highly sensitive man. He, he had a very sure. tough skin, but uh, he, you know, there were a lot of things that did get to him that he would not let out in public. And behind the scenes, he was a loving, doting grandfather. There you go. Uh, That's all that counts. Me, I was nine years old. And he slipped me a $10 bill for being a good grandson. And I was like, I don't deserve this, but I'm sure as hell going to go buy a G.I. Joe right now. Thanks, Bob. Like, <laughs> right. Well, I'll tell you, uh, Bob Costas uh, or any um, Howard Cosell is um, uh, an icon beyond belief of, of, you know, uh, Bob Costas is, you know, uh, a nice guy and he made a lot of money, but it's Howard Cosell. Monday Night Football was iconic. It was all the boxing uh, matches. Muhammad Ali. I guarantee I guarantee your grandfather didn't like Keith Jackson. Seems like nobody likes that guy, even though he's (laughs) another iconic voice. Um, they, they got him. They did. Well, I know you did. So that's anyway. I don't want to talk about your grandfather. Right, so listen, this has to come up, and I'm going to make your world, Jimmy, because and I know because I know Colin has to get going. But every interview we do, it comes up. You, you do know that that Jimmy was in the movie Beer League with with Artie Lang. Did you see the movie Beer League with Artie Lang and Ralph Macho? I, I am. I'm familiar. Yes, okay. I am Johnny Trino. So well, someday I'm going to have Trino. you announce me. So that's a play. I'm actually going to ask Colin to announce you coming up. <laughs> Mr. 706 himself. Johnny Trino. I'm, I'm actually going to vomit after we get off the show with this. But if you can, what would it be like to announce Johnny Trino coming up in, in City Field? All right. Uh, leading off for your New York Mets, Mr. 706, Johnny Trino. That's, that's awesome. That's awesome, man. I, I love that. I, allow, I, allow, I can't believe I allowed allow, myself. But you know what? You know what's sad happen. though. The, the worst part about that is that you know, I, the, the Met part. But, but you know, we can edit that. Oh out no, that's why I love it. No, 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 I'm not editing. And that listen, at all. but I got I got to say, Colin. You know what? You talked about you know, um, carving your own path. I will tell you this. I will guarantee you. Because number one, I think the Mets are actually going to turn the tide, um, and I think they're going to be pretty good in the next five or six years. And uh, it, all you got to do, man, is keep on doing the it awesome work you do. And then, and then like, if you're, if you're still doing this 20 years from now, you will be, you will, you will be the voice of the stadium, man. It's just time and winning and get people get, and, and you will be, you will be it. And I have no doubt about that. No doubt about it. You watch, watch what this team does this year. They're, 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 this team has not even begun to gel yet, and they have quietly won seven in a row. I agree. I, I've said over it again. I think there's a new, you know, I, uh, the new ownership controversy. It's been overshadowed by Matt Harvey coming home, and very quietly, the Mets are in first place by a couple games now, have strung together seven consecutive wins, and they haven't even gelled yet. I agree. This team is I going to be very dangerous. Yeah, I, I think so. And I also five think years, five or six th- years is what we're going to be looking back on the championships we've won. Atta boy. Yes. Uh, that's powerful right there. But only thing and, is, uh, and I, I can tell your allegiance. I, uh, I would not be surprised if there's a subway series in the next several years. Wow. That would be fun. Although it's awful for me because the Mets ever beat the Yankees in a series. The worst Yankees oh, world series it's of all coming. time was 2000. No, that would actually be fun. You know, I was supposed to go back to LA 
for I was uh, doing a bunch of acting stuff. And then my agent's like, when are you coming back? And I said, the Yankees are playing the Mets in the World Series. I will be back. I'm not going to be. Can you imagine being a lifelong Yankee fan and have to live in L.A. while the Mets are. I said, I'm sorry. Cancel everything. <laughs> I will return to literally the Yankees won. I got on a flight the next morning. He's like, oh, glad to have you back. I'm like, yeah, well, you, you don't leave New York when uh, that would be I, certainly fun. You know, it would suck. I actually don't want it to happen this year um, because I wanted to have it where everybody, all the fans are back. It Wouldn't it suck a subway series with half a subway? You know, you can't go to the game. That yeah, would but suck. at that point, I think they're going to incentivize it, make sure that the vaccinated can sit, you know, in primo seats, the unvaccinated sit wherever they are, right. you know, pop, because if you haven't gotten vaccinated, what the hell is wrong with you? Um, but that's... <laughs> <laughs> uh, but I'll tell you what, I, I'm a diehard New York Rangers fan. Hockey is my number one sport. And uh, really? I was in L.A. when the Rangers were playing the Kings in the Stanley Cup final. And uh, I, was doing, I was doing a broadcast out there. And it was pure hell because right. I was wearing my Rangers jersey and I was just getting heckled by a bunch of people who probably have never even set foot on an ice rink. Let's be real. It's L.A. Right. And, but, play, uh, the, and the mo- that was the most uh, I'm, I'm a playoff hockey fan. I admit it. I'm a Ranger fan. But that series, I watched every every game and I, I don't recall ever watching a series, any sport where the team that lost in technically not a close series every game was so close and the game, the Rangers won, the Rangers won, I think six, two, seven, two, it was like four overtime last second loss. Like that series King, the Kings were better, but that series was the closest series I've ever watched. It was the closest five game series ever. Yeah. Hands down. I I think it's better than half the seven game series. Jeez. The games were more. Um, Oh my God. And and again, I'm a playoff Ranger fan. I'm not a, you know, I'm a, you know, I get it, but I was like, I was at that edge of my seat every game. And when they lost, I was yeah. like, how could this series be over? How did they win four? And it blew no, my it mind. Awesome. Yeah. Colin, that's very, Colin that's is very learning cool. very quickly that you just have to be rude and fight with Jimmy to get mic time. <laughs> no, well, yeah. we have to, well, no, listen, it's a Palumbo versus a Cosell. I'm going to elevate my voice and I'm going to turn <laughs> it seven world series, subway series. And I'm going to drown you out. Palumbo. I'm coming for you. Palumbo. Well, listen, listen, you know, Colin, the bottom line is uh, the one who's expendable here is Rick, because, you know, I can see the, the the Colin and Jimmy show is so easily manufactured. It, it, actually, we're doing the show right now. Um, you're, you're, uh, you're shutting down your liaison. The one I actually spoke to about making this happen and you're going to shut him down. My God, Jimmy. Wow. I know. Well, he's a, he's a big time coach week, now. So I'm, I'm, I'm kind of used to it. He's a big time right. baseball coach. Now. By the way, you know, we do a section on our show where we um uh, we do. It's called uh, what the heck? Uh, what the heck happened? Well, to that do guy? you remember that guy? Do you remember that guy? And uh, how old are you, Colin? Forty-one. Forty-one. Uh, you would you would totally get some of the some of the goofy old players we bring up. Um, so we enjoy doing that. But it was I can't tell you what a thrill this was uh, to have a PA announcer. Um, I, I said it in the very beginning when we first started the show. I said we can't be like WFAN. We have to get like the underbelly of baseball. And I used to say, let's get, let's get some hitting coaches on. And we did that. And I said, let's get like the PA, PA announcer of, of uh, at Shea. And, you know, uh, or Yankee Stadium. Or City Field. He's always going to say Shea. Yeah, it's Shea, because that's what it is. And uh, it's like Giant Stadium, Shea. Everybody gets that. But the uh, not realizing who you were and all that stuff. And that, then I, I have old emails. We emailed back and forth, which I found comical. Um, but uh, it's a pleasure to have you on, man. Uh, uh, you do a great job there. I hope you become the longtime Met PA announcer, and I hope your other ventures uh, kick ass as well. And uh, we will definitely have you on again as the Mets, uh, you know, clinch something. Um, guarantee from that, the Mets will lose eight in a row after this thing. You, you and, went a full uh, 15 seconds full of compliments and then just ran out of steam. You just <laughs> couldn't do it. You couldn't close out with a nice, positive Farewell. I like, you know, I don't hate the Mets. My grandfather was a Met fan, and my grandfather was a Howard Cosell fan. So I can't, I can't go all the way. And and uh, and you know, he's actually pretty the, good. He's he's actually the, pretty good. Next time you next time you have me on, I, I expect a full episode. I will dedicate an entire hour, and <laughs> we're going to turn it into the Jimmy Palumbo therapy hour. And I'm going to like this is my therapy. Your brain into being nice and accepting City Field as a stadium, <laughs> accepting me as a PA announcer. And, uh, and first you know, of all, I, you know, I'm going to go to city field this summer and I will knock on I'll get up there somehow. And I'll be, you'll hear a knock on that door. 
I and, cannot wait to see security breaking. <laughs> your- I'm like, but wait, I'm like, but wait, I'm part of the interlocking that. NY. <laughs> I'm gonna be like, I've never seen that guy a day in my life. I was on his phone with someone who looked similar to him, but uh, he didn't let me get a word in edgewise, so I don't know him. <laughs> Oh, well, right, Colin, guys. thank you very much. For hey, Colin, on. thank you so much. You were a pleasure. And I'm sure I'll see you soon, buddy. I hope so. No, this is a lot of fun. And uh, I would love to do this again and uh, and you dedicate more time. Like, this is just one of those weeks where it's just like frantic for I'm me. With but you. I'm with you. We'll definitely make it happen soon. I appreciate it, guys. You got it, man. We'll thank see you. you. Thank you. All right. Well, let's go, Mets. Let's go, Mets. Thank you for listening to Interlocking NYs with Rick and Jimmy every Sunday at 8 p.m. on 365sportscast.com. Spotify, iTunes, and Google Podcast.